we're Amy and Nancy Harrington, founders of the Passionistas Project. And today we're talking with the fabulous Lindsay Gordon. Lindsay's an award-winning career coach, author, and speaker on a mission to help people stop doing what they think is right in their career and start doing what's right for them. Uh, through her work, she assists leaders in making clear and confident decisions so they can move forward in their careers and lives with purpose. Lindsay loves baking complicated pastries, barbershop singing, and applying her engineering brain to helping people be decided. So please welcome Lindsay. Thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure to chat with you too. So I'm just happy to be here. I feel the same way about you. I remember the baking, but I, I vaguely remember the barbershop singing. Was that something you started doing in college? I, it was actually way later than that. So I did musical theater growing up through high school. I mostly chose to do dance in college, but I think it was about, gosh, I don't know with pandemic time. I feel like it was maybe five or six years ago that I was like, I want to get back into singing. And I discovered barbershop singing and was like, where have you been? My whole life? <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so cool. Awesome. And what vocal range? I am a baritone, so it, it seems very fitting based on my engineering background, because yeah. I feel like all the baritones are like the accountants, the lawyers, the engineers, <laughs> because it's such a, it's like the leftover note in the chord that just sounds <laughs> so bad if you sing it by itself. <laughs> that is awesome. And is your quartet all women or is it men and women? It was all women. Yeah. So... That is cool. That's cool. And um, and baking is something you you would kind of consider doing it professionally, and then realize like, mm, no, I don't think so, right? And that's part of your whole journey that I found fascinating. Can you yeah. talk about that? So the the title of the book is basically everything I do in my work right for you. So this launched last night. I still can't believe that I'm being introduced as an author, but you know, <laughs> we'll let it sink in. And. So cool. Yeah, I think everything I do in my work is to help people make choices that actually feel good to them. And oftentimes one of those questions is, do I want to do this thing as a job or do I want to do this thing as a hobby? And for me, I love baking and I love complicated baking. I take professional baking classes for fun, but I kind of took myself through my own framework in this book of how would this engage the things that are most important to me. And I found that if I were doing it as a full-time thing, it actually wasn't going to be the things that I really need to thrive in a job. So I got to say, this is my hobby and I love it. And I actually don't need to do it at this moment in my life as a career. That's so cool. And we say that to people all the time, you know, it sounds so easy to say to people like, follow your passions. Right. Um, but we're like, yeah, but you don't have to do that for a job. Mm -hmm. It could yeah. just mean yeah. like have a great hobby that you like to do on the weekends yeah. or, you know. Yeah. And your passions can change. Yes. You know, well, yes. Have to be yes. all the time. You don't have to decide what you want to do when you're 18 and do that mm -hmm. for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> How boring would that be? Come on. <laughs> no way. No way. Yeah. Um, so for so the people who don't know you and, and haven't heard our episode of the podcast with you, talk a little bit about your original career and, and your professional journey that led you to become a career coach. 
Yeah. I am on my third career so far, and I like to say that I have fallen into all of them as we, as we do with career transitions, right? No plan over here, but I started my working life as an engineer, and that's actually why I call myself a career coach for analytically minded people, because this engineering background is quite unusual did engineering for a little bit. I was working in recycled water in Australia. Then I completely fell into technical support at Google and discovered that I am a human who loves customer service. I love it. I love it. I love it. So that is a weird, delightful fact about me. (laughs) And then as I was doing technical support, I was doing onboarding and training and all of our new hires were so stressed about their career. And they were like, how do I talk to my manager? And what if I get stuck on this support team for forever? So I accidentally was having all these conversations about career and, you know, people said you would be a coach. I didn't know what that meant. So I went and experimented and and ended up doing a year and a half long program And then people started popping up and saying, are you taking clients? We have people to refer to you. So I ran the business on the side for a little bit, took it full time in 2016. And here we are six years later. So talk about your approach to working with your clients now. Yeah, it's so much fun. I get to bring my engineering brain to career. And what we do is we create a tailored framework of what matters to you in a couple different areas so that you basically have a cheat sheet to say, okay, these are the things that are important to me. How does that relate to any opportunities that come my direction? So the framework is in the book and it has four pieces. So first we look at values. What is important to you in life and how does career fit into that? Next, we look at your fulfillment in different areas of your career. So things like results, relationships, career development, creative self-expression, so that we can start to articulate what are the actual areas that I need for fulfillment. Then we move into strengths. And what I find with my clients, um, the, the strengths chapter starts with a client who said, why did it take me until my 40s to know what my strengths were? And I think often, you know, people have that experience of nobody really teaches us how to discover that. So We'll get you clear on strengths, the contribution you want to make. And then the fourth part of the framework is about environment. So what are the working conditions that you need in order to thrive? And then you've got this framework of, okay, this is me and who I am and what I need out of a career. And I'm going to say yes is in this direction. That's so cool. And one of the things I love about you is... I think you said like 50% of the people that you work with actually stay in their current job. You're not like encouraging everybody to just kind of like go off and try something new. You're helping them decide whether they are actually in the right place for them, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, It, it has been such a fascinating finding over the six years because, I mean, I like to honor people's risk averseness, because I think sometimes we say, you know, I'm risk averse with this like negative connotation because we get these messages of like, oh, well, you should be taking these big leaps and just quit and do your passion. But for most people, that is not a 
thing that they really want to be doing. It disrupts your stability. You know, if you're providing for a family or caretaking for parents or whatever it is, quitting is not going to be the right thing for you necessarily. So that's always been kind of the way that I work with people. But I, yeah, I like to joke that I'm running a employee retention program because so many people come to me convinced that they need to quit. But what I find is that when you don't know what you're looking for and what's right for you, quitting is really the only option that you can see. So I help people get clear about what is actually right for them. Then they get to step back and say, oh, okay. I, I might actually choose this job, even if it's not perfect, even if I don't choose it for the long term, but I know why it is right for me in this moment. And yeah, as you said, over 50% of my clients do not end up quitting. So I feel like people have more chance of quitting if they don't work with me. <laughs> I also think people have this like fantasy that the next thing is going to be perfect and devoid of any issues it's like every job has its pluses and minuses and is what you're going like why are you going to where you're going and what are you going to find there yeah I think it's really great that you have them look at and it's sort of reframing how you think about your current situation right right Right. because it's always trade-offs and so if you can articulate these are the things that are in alignment or out of alignment here. And I either choose that or I don't choose that. And if I'm choosing to make a move, these are the trade-offs I will be accepting over here. I am choosing it for these reasons. And I know that these reasons might not be the perfect alignment. So I think there's just so much calmness when we know why we are making the choice we are making. So what's the first step somebody should take if they're thinking about a career change? Yeah. The first step I always love to have people start with is an unusual one. So it is to identify all of the pressure that you feel about your career. Because if we don't identify it, then it is just along for the ride. And it might even be motivating your desire to make a change. So you might have family telling you that you need to do a particular thing. You may feel a lot of pressures from society of what work should mean to you or um, where your passion and purpose should come from. And so if we can get really clear about that, sometimes even from that moment, people are like, wow, somebody else wants something different for me. But actually for me, this might be right. I remember a phone call I had with somebody many years ago who had no intention of working with me. He was actually very satisfied in his job, but he did a phone call with me to get people in his life off his back because they were telling him like, you should have a job that's more this, that, and the other, and you need to go talk to a career coach to to figure out how to make that change. And he was just like, yep, I'm actually quite happy. I know why I'm choosing it for me. Um, so thanks for this conversation, but I'm good. So I, I think really looking at why are you making that choice? Is it a true desire from you? If so, awesome. But if it's coming from somebody else, let's like set that aside so that you can be really happy where you are. Is there a success story from people you've worked with that stands out to you as one of your favorites? 
I think the one that stands out to me at the moment is the courage it takes to not do the traditional path. So I worked with a woman who is a VP of finance at a large multinational company. And she came to me saying, you know, for a VP of finance, the next logical step is CFO. But I actually don't think I want CFO. And I'm getting all of this feedback and pressure and noise that, well, you should want CFO. And how do we get you to CFO? And you're on the CFO track. And so throughout working together, she was able to really solidify that insight that she had in the beginning that she was pretty sure was true, but felt a little shaky. So she really solidified that and just seeing the courage of somebody say, you know what, I'm not going to choose the thing that everybody thinks is the logical next step for me. She ended up staying at the company and moving to a different part of the organization and doing something she loves now, but that takes a lot of courage. And I have story after story, after story, after story, after story of that kind of courage in the book. And, you know, really that's what I wanted to do is share the stories of what does it really look like when people choose to do what's right for them. So tell us about writing the book. Tell us about the process, why you started it, how it went. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this has been a wild process. And thank you for that question. I'm so excited to share because I I want more people to know that it is possible to write a book and you can, you know, I chose to self-publish and that's been a fun adventure, but I think the more voices that we get to hear from the better. So for me, I chose to work with a program called the Inspirational Book Writers and they're actually based out of Australia and their challenge and this is not going to work for everybody. I, I like to, you know, not glamorize anything about running a business or writing a book. Their challenge is to write your book in a week. And that felt really fun for me because I had a business coach say, I think, I think you need to write your book this year. I think it's time for that. And I said, really? are you sure? Like already? No, no, that's far in the future. So I had to be challenged and then sit with it. But once I was on board, it's really fun for me to set an ambitious challenge. And what my business coach has said was, listen, you've been writing this book in your head for the last six years, right? Like I know you, you have your framework. You say similar things to clients. You've been writing blog posts for six years. And so I really got the courage to say like, okay, if, if I believe that it's all in here and it's also been written down in some other places, how long is it going to take me to put it all together? And so I ended up doing that process in a week. And then I decided that I wanted to do the, the fast track publishing in three months. And so I think my coach challenged me on February 22nd of this year to write a book And book is now in my hands in physical copy as of yesterday, September 5th. So that's incredible. That's wild. My new hero. (laughs) And and you did the the doodles, right? I did. Can you you show some of the doodles? I love the doodles. So here's here's the cover doodle. (laughs) 
And I'll show you one of my favorite ones. And I don't consider myself an artist, but. But they're so cute. They totally express, like they're so perfect. <laughs> yeah, by. I, you know, I want the the joy and the levity and the not taking myself too seriously. And the, we are not about perfection around here. Here's one of my favorites. <laughs> um, a, a lot of them are also like really sad and you know having a challenging time so some of them make me feel a little bit sad this is one of the guys oh. like oh <laughs> so much pressure so, yes but I love that because it is such a like it feels like the end of the world sometimes mm -hmm. it does. when you're making that kind of decision it, it's just so stressful mm -hmm. and, and the fact that so you can lonely. add levity to it is yeah. Yeah. yeah it can be super lonely super isolating you know why is this only happening to me and so i like to balance you know really just honoring how much it sucks honestly to be unhappy in your job I have been there and so I I want to give a lot of love and support for that and I want people to know that we actually do get to have fun in this process and that we get to add levity and we get to add grace and then at some point people are you know fired up about now that I know my strengths and I have this framework, you know, I got to get out there and be the contribution that I want to be in my job or in my life. So I, I feel like the doodles kind of ease the way to the fun. <laughs> did, did you find that during COVID things got heightened with people wanting to make a shift and how did that impact you? Yeah, it's been interesting because I think there's been ebbs and flows that I, you know, couldn't have seen coming in the very beginning I think there was a very clarifying moment of we only have one life and I I need to think about is this the contribution that I want to be is this job where I want to spend however many hours of my life I am spending and so there was just a very clear like I want to know more about my own contribution and where I want to be. So that was one of the phases. We've also gone through phases where, you know, it's been really rough and people are saying, you know what, I am just going to stick it out where I am, do the best that I can, take care of the family and manage my mental health and a change is not right for me at the moment. And then more recently, I've had many leaders come to me saying, I'm being asked to go back into the workplace X days a week, and that might not actually be right for me anymore. Um, I've found a lot of flexibility. I'm able to pick up my kids. Um, it really supports my health. So I think that's kind of the phase that we're in of going back to the office really is not the right thing for some people and for others, they're excited about that. So that's been an interesting thing that I've seen. Yeah, that's amazing. It's been such a crazy time for all of us. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But there's the word joy, <laughs> which is your watchword. Yeah. So why? Tell us about that. <sighs> joy. Joy is just so important to me. I feel like it's one of my values. The other word that, that occurs to me is delight. 
And I think that actually is what ties in the customer service. You know, I think of, of companies like Ritz-Carlton and Zappos who are trying to really create delight in their people and in the world and in their, in the human interactions and something about that. I think also because it's such a hard time in career, you know, I do want to bring the delight, the joy, and part of that, that was really edgy for me. So I like to say, if you think I just wrote this book for everyone else, you'd be wrong because I also get really challenged by how I feel I am supposed to be as a business owner. And especially because I work with senior leaders, I'm like, do I need to be more professional? And, you know, do I, I almost didn't have a doodle on the cover until my community was like, where's, where's the doodle? Love you. But like, we need the fun. That is part of who you are. And so for my launch party, that was last night, I basically dialed up the joy and delight, like in the realm of business, as far up as I could go. Um, the the one liner is that I, I I modeled the launch party after like a PBS inspired pledge drive, <laughs> and we had people calling in to pledge to do what was right for them in their career, and I would change ball gowns every time we got. 50 pledges because <laughs> I love dress ups. I own a lot of ball gowns. That's like one of the things that's really fun for me. And so I got to experience, you know, bringing the full delight of me into the business realm, which actually felt very vulnerable and needed a lot of courage and, you know, had, a, had some tears in the process, even though I know I wanted to do it, it was actually quite challenging for me. So I, I just love delight. So how many gowns did you get to put on last night? <laughs> we got to 13. Oh <laughs> you have that, that many gowns? Crazy. I might have more than that. So <laughs> well, if we do the Emmys again next year, we, we know, know where, where to go. go. Oh my gosh, yes. So wait, yes. I need to know more about this. Why do you have so many gowns? <laughs> Why do we not have so many well, gowns? Yeah. Question. I yeah. Think I was telling my friend the other day, for some reason, you know how sometimes you see an outfit and you're, and you say, when would I ever have the chance to wear this? And then you don't buy it. Mm -hmm. There's something that is missing in like the synapses of my brain with that message. So I, and most of my dresses are, you know, from secondhand stores, from thrift stores, um, from Ross dress for less. Like I just, I love them. And whenever I see a dress, to me, it's just like, oh my gosh, like this wants to be on a stage somewhere. This wants to be in a photo shoot. Like, of course I would own this dress and then I will find the opportunity to wear them. So I think it's, it, it kind of goes back to my musical theater background. I love dressing up. I love photo shoots. There's something so playful about being a character. And I like to call myself an introverted ham because I do, <laughs> I do feel I'm introverted. I need a lot of alone time for recharging, but put me on a stage and I am a ham. So I think the dresses really support the hamminess. Costumes. I love it. I love that. And you're always ready for Halloween. Worst case. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So it was a and, bachelorette. And if anyone, yeah, if anyone needs like a, a professional bridesmaid or like a <laughs> black tie wedding attendee, I am ready at any moment. <laughs> the perfect extra. <laughs> That's great. That is awesome. That's so awesome. Um, you know, one of the things that you talk about is that managers and business owners should be helping the employee kind of find their place in the organization, right? So talk about that for people who are listening who are on the other side of it and they have employees and they want to help them settle in or be in the right spot. Yeah. I think managers are sometimes really trying to help people get into the right spot. So I want to acknowledge the managers that are really like, hey, I can tell that you're not quite in the right spot or you're not satisfied. How can we help? Where can we put you? What do you want? And from my experience, what I see on the employee side is that people actually get very embarrassed and ashamed that they don't know the answer to that question. And so it goes into the spiral of like, oh my gosh, my manager is even trying to support me. I don't know where I want to be. Why can't I answer this question? So basically my hope is that this is a resource that a manager can say, look, I definitely want to get you into the right place and make sure you're feeling fulfilled. Here's the framework, read this book and then we can have the best conversation about the contribution that you want to make and what's going to enable you to thrive so that everybody wins. So I really, the, the hope for this book is that I am enabling conversations between employees and employers to have actual conversations about where people fit in. And also if you discover it is not the right fit for somebody to be in your company, that's actually lose, lose for everyone. So can we have more clear and open conversations about, I realize that this might not be the right spot for me. Let's, you know, get me to the next spot. And then the, the company gets to put a person in who's really excited to be there. So I, I think it's pretty edgy to be having those conversations, but I really want to connect with companies who believe that it is in their best interest and they actually want to support their employees to be in the right place for them. Excellent, that's amazing. So where can people get the book? Yes, so it is on Amazon. And there is ebook, there is paperback, there is hardcover. If that is for you, you can go for to writeforyoubook.com and that will take you directly to the Amazon link. And if you are seeing this now, you might actually be able to still sneak in and get the ebook for 99 cents. It is a launch price sale and um, Amazon is going to be updating that soon. So if it hasn't updated, we don't know how long it takes. So jump in and get a copy, um, get copies for your friends, anyone who is like really struggling in their career, anyone who is complaining to you. Um, if you want to have different conversations at the Thanksgiving table about what actually is right for you rather than, you know, yep, I'm still unhappy in my job. Um, and Make then great also, holiday gifts, not too oh, early. Yeah, holiday <laughs> gifts. Yes. Yes. Um, and then if you want to learn more about my work, my website is a life of options.com. So at some point, do you think you'll take another week off and write another book? 
I have already been asked about my future books. And apparently this is something that sometimes happens. Like once you write the first book, then you're free to think about like what could come next. Interestingly, I have been asked to write my next book on adult female friendship and how like my viewpoint and I have frameworks for everything again engineer so I have a, an interesting kind of like framework and thoughts about friendship and it kind of fits in the right for you right it's like what is right for you in career okay we've written the book on that now maybe it's like what is right for you in friendship and how do you build friendships that really feel fulfilling based on what you know about yourself so stay tuned that could be a fun one love that I love idea. that idea mm. Excellent. wow that sounds great all right well we're so anything else that you want to talk about that we any other fun hobbies I mean I'm, <laughs> I'm baking with you I'm going and buying ball gowns <laughs> yeah definitely do the baking do the ball gowns yeah whenever you see something next and you're like when would I have the opportunity to wear that just think of me get the outfit, whatever it is, and then create your own opportunity to wear it. Um, I think the, the only thing I would say is just to have a lot of kindness and grace for yourself, wherever you are in your career, know that there's so much pressure out there. It is hard to do what's right for you. And also there are a lot of systemic barriers that can get in the way of that. So, you know, racism, sexism, ageism, ableism. So we talk about that in the book and how to find your agency. But if you can give yourself more kindness and compassion, that is my hope and my gift for you. You're the best. Excellent. Yeah. So, so glad we did so this. So nice to see you again. <laughs> so much fun. Thank you so much. You two are fantastic. And I just want to acknowledge you for all of the, the joy and passion and love that you are putting in the world. So thank you for being you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in person soon. Yes. And yes. Um, we're going to post the winners of the tickets in the chat so everybody yes. can check there. And um, thank you so much, Lindsay. We really appreciate you being here. Everybody go buy Lindsay's book right now before you miss the special. Get in quick. <laughs> thank you. Good night, everyone. Thank Bye. you so much. Bye.